This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, oh my gosh, do you believe that this is the last preseason game for the Pittsburgh Steelers and for the rest of the NFL, and it's not Labor Day weekend coming up. Wow, it is craziness. Football fever is here. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Welcome to Here We Go, the Steelers pregame show, and this is not a show without the man I'm going to introduce next. He is my co-pilot here. His name is KT Smith. He is the coach of the Red Raiders of Ocean City, New Jersey. And he's got his first game tomorrow night. What is going on, my friend? Hey, Brian. Yeah, this is this is really uh, an awesome time right now. Just the uh, Steelers coming down to final cuts, which is really compelling. And as our I guess as our show, our show is Thursday night as we record, our show will be on tomorrow and as people are listening, uh, my uh, football team here is going to is going to kick it off for our, our first game of the season, uh, which is amazingly early. But uh, that's just kind of the way it works in New Jersey right now. What's the anticipation like for a high school football program with that first game? So this is, it's interesting. Uh, usually, you have you're in you're in school, so you have a pep rally and you got all all the students there and all that. But we're we don't even start school for another week and a half, so. Uh, the game tomorrow is actually a part of a really awesome event, which takes place at our stadium. Our stadium's a really unique venue. It's it's literally uh, uh, on the beach. I mean, it is our end zone, our, our east end zone. There's a parking lot behind it, and then there are sand dunes and the Atlantic Ocean. I, I mean, we've had we've had tides where those waves came rolling uh, over the dunes and through the parking lot, and, and probably wound up about 50 yards from the end zone. Which is, so, I mean, it's a really unique environment there. And so we're going to host um, a showcase event called Battle at the Beach, which will have 22 teams uh, from all over the region uh, over the next three days, 11 games. There's actually a team. There's actually a high school from out near Pittsburgh, Thomas Jefferson, okay. uh, that's going to that's be playing in the event against a, a really good New Jersey team. Um, and so we're the marquee game tomorrow night, the, the seven o'clock game and. I mean, it's going to, you know, there's going to be about 5,000 people there and the Ferris wheel will be going and you'll hear the ocean roaring. It's going to be a really just electric environment. Uh, and if anybody, I mean, like for anybody who liked football to be able to sit in the stands, you can, you can see the ocean from the stands. You get the big Ferris wheel over your shoulder. You got a great turf field and, and these really good high school teams playing. So we're proud to be able to, to put that on. I'm staring at a picture of it right now because we are recording this and your icon is not a picture of your smiling face. It's a picture of an overhead picture of the field looking into the ocean and the clouds. I want to dive in. 
I can't <laughs> show my wife this picture because yeah. we would be there this weekend and we would just drop everything because it is such a beautiful picture. I'm glad. Don't change that because I love staring into it the entire <laughs> show. It makes its serenity for me. So I really enjoy that. And one thing to mention about, you know, the program that that you were coaching there. You've been to the championship game in the last couple, a uh, couple times in the last two years, I believe if I'm not mistaken, and you've coached against some great talent. In fact, the Steelers saw some of that talent just two weeks ago at Acrisure stadium in, uh, with the uh, Seattle Seahawks. Talk about that. Yeah. I, so Bo Melton uh, on the Seahawks um, has played on our field, our field there in Ocean City. He went to Cedar Creek High School, which is about 25 minutes away from from where we are. And as you might imagine, he was he was a stud. Uh, he was a pretty darn good high school player and went on to have a good career at Rutgers. And then the Steelers played against another guy who played on our field last week when they played Jacksonville against uh, Raquel Armstead, the running back. He's from Millville High, which is the the school that the Thomas Jefferson from Pittsburgh is going to play against. And Armstead, uh, his senior year, they beat us, I think, 48 to 10, something like that. <laughs> we weren't very good then. And he was like a man playing against the boys. He had four touchdowns rushing. And so, you know, there's a lot of really good football in this area. And another guy who's making making a lot of headlines out of training camp is Isaiah Pacheco from the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, who's actually like competing to be their their top running back along with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And he's another guy who uh, play, is in our, in, in our league who we played against and you know, all those guys have played at our stadium. So it's pretty cool to have, to be able to see, uh, you know, a number of familiar faces in the NFL. Now we talked about the anticipation for you as a coach and for your players. What is the anticipation like for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they're getting ready for their last preseason game? So I think the Steelers should have a sense of urgency about them for lots of reasons. One They've got a lot that they need to work out and get right. And this is being the last chance to really run through it all before you do it for real. They really would, you know, they want to take some confidence away from that final preseason game, in particular when it uh, comes to the offensive line, the uh, the linebacking core. Obviously, they've got some things to sort out with the quarterback situation. Uh, and then you've got all the, all, the, all the fringe guys that are competing for jobs and, and roster spots. So, I love the last preseason game. I always feel as though that's just an opportunity to watch, especially on the on the guys that are that are competing to make the roster. Just these guys are fighting for their football lives right now. And and it's just it's compelling. I mean, these are great human stories. These are young men who have been working towards this their entire life. This is their dream. And, you know, some are going to make it and some are not. And, and it kind of breaks your heart when you when you when you sort of get attached to, to certain guys. Um for them not to make it, but you get to see it play out in front of you. So it's, it's, it's more than a regular preseason game for sure. What changes this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Because this is the first time in my lifetime as a fan that the Steelers have only had three preseason games. And if there was one canceled because of weather, I cannot remember it, but in the past, and we've talked about this in the 80s and 90s, it used to be that fourth preseason game was the true tune-up game, and then it has changed, and now then the fourth preseason game became nothing but the bubble guys, basically, you know, fighting for the, their lives, like you just said. And now it's going to be a little bit different. We expect to see the Steelers starters for at least the first half of this game. So what are we going to see that's different than the last 
80 years <laughs> for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, well, I, you, you touched on some of it just right there. You're going to see the team try to find rhythm in some of the things that they do because they understand that they haven't had as many reps to do it, especially this Steelers team with so much change, so many new faces. Uh, even even Matt Canada's offensive system it will, it will be different than it was last year. The defensive system will be different. Uh, you know, with new defensive coordinator. So, I mean, the Steelers really have a lot that they have to work out and get right. And, I mean, it wouldn't shock me to see the starters even play into the third quarter because, um, you know, sometimes you want to see them come out after halftime. and Maybe they'll give them a drive in the third quarter if they didn't like how things went in the first half or if they want to see them. You know, how are we going to react when we have the change? You know, we, we, we have to sort of slow everything down for halftime and then what are we going to be like coming out of the gate? I think that a really underrated element of football, something that we try to talk a lot about with our guys is what what teams call the middle eight. And the middle eight is like the last four minutes of the second quarter and the first four minutes of the third quarter. Those are those are our times of a football game that often get overlooked, but can really change momentum. Because if you get a score or a big play going into the half or coming right out of the half, it has a huge momentum factor so you may see the Steelers just try to address that hey let's script for the middle eight to see uh, if we can you know do some good things both going into and coming out of the break so I I, I do think the approach will be very different for this game I'm going to throw a complete curveball at you something that we've never talked about I've never mentioned this to you that I was going to bring this up but we know how important the coin toss is in the regular season because there's so much strategy, strat, excuse me, strategy to it. Is there strategy in the preseason for a coin toss? Well, it all depends on what you're trying to, on what your approach is. Um, I mean, I, again, I'll just talk about real quick. I'll talk about us. We, we the last couple of years, we've had a, we had a great kicker. He's he's all he graduated. He's off kicking in college now, and because we play right on the ocean, as you can imagine, the wind is a big factor, and so. Our strategy over the last few seasons was if you win the coin toss, we defer. And 99% of the time, the opposition is going to take the football. And so we're going to use our kicker. We're going to take the wind. He's going to knock the ball through the end zone. They're going to start on the 20. They're going to go into the wind. If we can get a three and out, which, which we've been pretty good at doing, we're going to make them punt into the wind. And we're probably going to take possession uh, around their 40-yard line. And that strategy has been really good for us for getting these fast starts. And so, you know, if you apply that to to the Steelers, I mean, strategy wise for the preseason, it'll all depend upon upon what they want to see. I mean, do maybe they want to see the defense on the field first. You know, maybe, or maybe maybe they want to say uh, or just the opposite. Hey, if we win the coin toss, so, you know, we're going to go we're going to we're going to take the ball so that we can put in a package out of the gate that we really want to work on early. Let's maybe it's a no te- a, a no huddle up tempo package. Uh, or if you go to the opposite, you know, maybe we want to work on our blitz package early in the game to see, you know, if we can get into some, some advantageous stuff defensively right away. So I, again, I do think that that you think about that stuff, whether or not they want to hold it for the regular season or not is, is the question. Now the Steelers made a very interesting move this week, and it was when they cut the roster down to 80 on Tuesday. And there was a name on there. Actually, there was two names on there that, raise some eyebrows. The first one was, of course, Chris Oladokun, the seventh round draft pick. The He's a quarterback. And 
a lot of people were up in arms because it was not just a quarterback, but it was a draft pick. So the other one was even a bigger deal to a lot of people because it was a free agent pickup in Jannard Avery, who was snapped up right away by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the very next day. So let's talk about Oladokun first in Avery and what these cuts mean to the Steelers. Oladokun, that, that doesn't bother me too much uh, or, or even really surprise me because he was he was a project uh, as a, a seventh round pick coming from a small school uh, who that didn't really run a pro style offense and it, it did seem a little bit like an odd pick at the time but I thought well maybe they see him as an athletic mobile quarterback who can fit into Canada's system but there were lots of reports about him being inaccurate throughout the preseason and I know he didn't get a lot of snaps with uh, in live team drills with with the the offense. But uh, if you're if they felt that he was just too inaccurate, I, I, re- I remember Kevin Colbert saying this when he was the GM, that one of the things that he he doesn't feel a player can improve significantly on in the NFL is their accuracy, that, that he believed that quarterbacks who came into the league who were accurate were, were by and large going to be accurate and vice versa. And so so they didn't sense that in Oladokun, then then maybe they felt like, all right, well, we can find a guy. Who, uh, to do some of those things uh, on the waiver wire or, or as a free agent somewhere. That one didn't shock me. The Avery uh, release, that really surprised me because coming from Philadelphia, uh, I, you know, I, li- I live not far from Philly and um, a lot, all, you know, most of my friends are Eagles fans and they, they really liked Jannard Avery. They thought he was a versatile guy who was pretty good as an edge who could kick inside and play a little bit of inside backer if you needed him to. Uh, and and it just seemed like everything you read about in camp was like, he's the number three guy. He's the number three guy. Um, and, and then he was gone. And that's, that's just, uh, that, there's a, that's a big swing and a miss. That's a loss for the Steelers right there because it's, it's either, it's either they misevaluated him uh, in terms of who they, they thought he was as a player or uh, Mike Tomlin's re- big reasoning that he gave for why they released him was that they thought he was a bad scheme fit. But if you bring in a free agent, you you need to be pretty sure he can run your scheme. So that's disappointing uh, in a lot of regards because it means the Steelers, they messed up. They messed up their evaluation of him. And so you never want to see that. Do you think it could be a situation where Mike Tomlin did not like what he saw from him and it wasn't the scheme, but that was just not to insult the player on the way out the door. Sure. It certainly could be that. And, um, and, and maybe that we, we don't know what goes on at training camp. You know, maybe, maybe he didn't like his practice habits. Maybe there was something, something, some intangible that, that he didn't like. Um, but it was pretty clear though, that he was running as the third guy and that, that he was, you know, superior to Derek Tuska, and it didn't seem like, at least at least early in camp, it didn't seem like there was anybody else that they liked better. Now we've seen, we've heard some some talk about a couple other players who're gonna they're gonna take a long look at uh, in the preseason game on on Sunday uh, in his spot. So so maybe they really genuinely do like those players over him. I don't know. We're gonna have to find out. But it sure as it sure as heck seems as though that's a position that they need to address uh, when the waiver wire be- becomes clear. Well, there is definitely a hole there, and there's definitely a player that could fill that hole. And we're going to talk about 
how big the Steelers' holes are going into this last preseason game and going into the regular season. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to listen to a message, and we will be right back on Here We Go, the Steelers' pregame show, Detroit Lions preseason week three edition, right here on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Welcome back to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. With me, as always, is my good friend, actually one of my closest friends now that I have never met face-to-face, but if I don't have this week to talk to Kevin Smith, I don't know what I'm going to do because we have a kinship now. And our love of the Pittsburgh Steelers, it is so fun to talk to this guy on and off the mic. Kevin, what's going on, my friend? Nothing, Brian. Thank you. Feel the same. Enjoy talking to you every week. Brian has a Brian has a very soothing voice, I have to say. You have a you have a uh, a voice that when I hear it, it 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 uh it kind of puts me at ease, Brian. So I, I, I <laughs> you know, and of course it, of course it means we're talking Steelers, so that's always a good thing. And you know what? I, I gotta tell you this. Nobody calls me Bry except for one of my best friends in high school. And, you know, and I just found out that he's moved, that he's close to about 45 minutes away from me now. So I get to hang out with him again. He's the one guy that called me Bry, and now you're doing it. So it, it makes me feel good. I always loved that nickname. So let's let's talk about the Steelers' holes here. And we're talking about, we started off with the Gennard Avery cut. Because that makes people wonder, my gosh, you're really thin at outside linebacker. Now, we saw, I believe it was 2018, where the Steelers went with Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, and Anthony Ciccolo, and only three guys at that outside linebacker position. And a lot of people were scared, and it did not kill them that year. But we expect the Steelers to go with at least four guys, and you know who the usual suspects are suspects are you know it's tj watt and you know it's alex highsmith that number three guy we thought was avery and now it's not but something happened maybe a week two weeks into camp when they brought in hamaka rashid i just had dave dave schofield just gave me you know a tutorial on how to pronounce his name we've got to go with a boston accent there it's hamaka and it's Rashid, like Rashid Wallace. So he could be the guy. It seems like this is a guy they really like, KT. Yeah. I would be lying if I told you that I really know anything about Hamilcar, which is a, <laughs> it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to say his name. That's, I'm, I'm just calling him, him Hammy. <laughs> yeah. I'm rooting for him to be good just so we can, we can Hamilcar. So we, can, we can do that over and over. Um, I you know he had a he had a great uh, junior year in, in college. I know that. I mean, he had something like twenty two tackles for loss and fourteen or fifteen sacks, and he put up some big numbers uh, at Oregon State. Uh, and he's got like an outside linebacker body type. He looks like an outside linebacker when you look at him. You you know, and he gets in his stance. He, he, you you say, oh, that, that guy's a good looking dude. He looks like he looks like an outside backer. But in terms of real reps, I mean, we haven't seen a ton. Um, the Steelers obviously like what they see. I mean, my suspicion is they're going to give him a long audition on Sunday because they they need to make a, a, a quick decision on whether or not they really believe that 
that he's capable of being that that third guy because I think Derek Tuska is probably the fourth. Uh, maybe maybe a guy like Delonte Scott, who's another another player that they seem to have some interest in, will be able to to you know push Tuska out. But but it feels to me as though they're trying to decide on Sunday whether or not the guys that are in house are are, are going to be the the two backups or they're going to go get a guy somewhere. You know that is that is something that is really a big deal to me because they need to have somebody there. It almost seems like they have a situation where they don't know where they're going to go next if they don't bring somebody in. But I think they've seen Tuska quite a bit, and I think that they they feel that they like him well enough. Now, Delonte Scott kind of, you, you see a lot of them, but, he kind of looked lost out there, so I don't know if if uh, he's going to be a guy they're considering. But you almost got to think that they've got a plan for outside the organization when they made this move. They would have to. There, you can't tell me that they let Avery go without thinking about step A and step B beyond his release. And I don't know. Again, I, th- I think there was an article up on the the website. That showed some of the available edge players that are out there, some of the veterans, and there were some familiar names kicking around, and I, I can't recite them off the top of my head. There will be more in the coming days as cuts get made. I think the Steelers probably feel that you know they can they can swing sort of a Melvin Ingram type deal if they need to. Um, but I also feel like this is going to be a tough evaluation for fans. I, I think that there's going to be a lot of eyes on uh, on Rashid on Sunday and. And people are going to want to see splash plays and, and they're going to want to see like, oh, well, hey, he had a he had a sack and a quarterback hit and a tackle for a loss. And that means he had a good game. Or if he didn't have those things, that means he had a bad game. But the evaluation could be way different than, than that. I mean, it might have to do a lot with, uh, you know, how well he executes his responsibilities. And can he hold the edge when he's got to anchor in against an offensive tackle or a tight end or. You know, if, if he's got a wrong arm of play, which means like if, if a team's running power at him, they're pulling a guard at him. A wrong arm is when he, rather than just take that play on with his inside shoulder and keep everybody inside of him, he, he brings his outside shoulder and rips it across the guard's face to try to spill the ball to the edge where the Steelers fast, uh, you know, perimeter players can run it down. You know, does he do that stuff well? I mean, they're, they're gonna, there's going to be little things that'll probably tell the story on him that may not be apparent to fans. So there may be some people who are surprised. There may be some people who say, like, oh, he didn't – the Steelers, you know, are going to keep him as the number three, but, like, I didn't see anything special from him on Sunday night. Or the opposite may be true as well. And it just might be that fans are looking at the the, the situation a little differently than the coaching staff. So we need to keep an eye on number 46 on the defensive side of the ball because I believe Christian Kuntz is 46 as well on the offense. So, you know, don't expect him to keep that number if he does keep his job. I expect him to keep his job, but it's going to be really interesting to see which way they go. That's probably one guy you definitely want to really look at. That's a hole that, how holy is that hole there at outside linebacker? Do you think it's huge or do you think I'm making too much of a big deal about it? I think it's huge. Uh, we're we're one one injury away from one of those guys that we just talked about. Three unknown, not unknowns, but certainly unproven's in Rashid or Tuska or you know maybe even Delonte Scott being a starter, and that's kind of a scary thought because and that and that really for me 
sort of indicates a, a bit of an urgency about needing to go out and get a veteran because I, this, I feel like the Steelers have to recognize that too. Maybe, maybe they plan to go get a veteran and this is an audition to see who becomes the fourth guy. Cause, cause by all accounts, Tuska hasn't, hasn't set the world on fire at, uh, in camp this year. So maybe they're only going to keep one of those, of those three guys and, and they'll go get a veteran. So I don't know. It's, it's a very interesting situation because when you think Pittsburgh Steelers defense, uh, you think about getting after the quarterback, and they do that with their outside linebackers as well as anybody in the league. And then, of course, you think about you know setting the edge, stopping the run. Great tradition of those outside backers. So the defense, uh, you know, is still a defense that depends upon those guys, and they can't be weak there. One thing that I mentioned on the preview with Jeff Hartman and Dave Schofield last night, and you can go ahead and check it out on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, wherever you download your favorite podcasts. I brought up the fact that we might see a trade around uh, right around uh, the final cut day. But for a guy that you're not that familiar with, like when they brought in JJ Wilcox a couple years ago, uh, they brought in players like that a good bit on trades that you weren't sure who they were, but they definitely knew. Right. They, they've got to have some guys around the league identified. Interesting. I, I read, uh, I read something earlier today where it said the Lions are are still kind of out there looking in the quarterback market, whether it's for a backup or or a guy perhaps to push Jared Goff or you know somebody to be there in case if, if Goff doesn't Goff doesn't live up to expe- uh, expectations. So that that'll be really interesting to watch too. Uh, will Mason Rudolph be sort of like auditioning in a way for the Detroit Lions, and will the Detroit Lions? outside linebackers perhaps be auditioning for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Is this the biggest hole for the Pittsburgh Steelers or where do you find more holes on this team? I think it's the most glaring one because again, when you, ju- when you just look at this, the two starters there, you say, Hey, this is a position of strength, but again, man, that's one bad or, or unfortunate injury away from it suddenly becoming a, a huge hole. And I don't think that they have a hole that significant or prominent anywhere else on the roster. As a matter of fact, when I, when I think about the roster, I think the Steelers are, are fairly deep in a lot of spots. But the other area where, you know, which has caused a lot of anguish for fans in the in the past week, ever since last week's preseason game, uh, is is the offensive line. And so while the Steelers have a lot of bodies there. Do they are those bodies good enough? I mean, for example, left guard, right? That you see now you've got this competition that played out all summer between Kevin Dotson and Kendrick Green, and it looked like Dotson was going to lock it down, and then he got hurt, and then Green was put back in there, and 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 he certainly did not look good last week, and it seems like Dotson's healthy enough to take back over, but he can't stay on the field. So if Kevin Dotson's hurt, do the Steelers have a gaping hole now at left guard? Because we've seen the the Kendrick Green, John LeGlue, maybe maybe patching in Joe Haig, all that. We've seen that experiment, and that and that certainly was not successful. And so that's another area where you think, do they have to make a move there? Do they have to bolster that before the regular season gets going? Yeah, that's a big concern, and that's what's bringing everybody down. But another thing that's bringing everybody down in Steeler Nation is the inside linebacker situation i don't know if there's a huge hole in there that we think because there are some players there that uh 
might be unknowns that are waiting to uh, jump in a spot, but you still have three potential starters at inside linebacker in Pittsburgh. Could that be good enough, Kevin? That's a great question. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I knew the answer to that question. I, I certainly, I've certainly paid a lot of attention to Devin Bush and I, and, and I, I really wish I could give a, a more optimistic report. He just certainly doesn't look like the same player that he, that he was as a rookie. And he just is not as decisive. I, I wrote an article uh, on the defensive performance against uh, Jacksonville earlier this week. And the thing that jumped out about to me about Bush was he's just seeing things slowly. I mean, it, it's actually now that he's got a playing partner in Miles Jack, who is so decisive, it really exposes how slowly Bush is processing out there. Uh, there, there was a, a clip I highlighted in the article uh, on a, a run play at Bush where um, the reaction time of the two linebackers was an, a, amazingly disproportionate. I mean, Miles Jack saw a seam and went and was just gone. Uh, and Devin Bush, you know, he kind of bounced, bounced, and now he reacts. And Jacksonville was in a formation where he should have anticipated a down block and he didn't really anticipate it. So he got hung up on the block and it took him a while to get off the block. And it just was, it just wasn't good NFL quality linebacker play. Uh, and that that's an area of concern for sure, because, you know, the, the next man is Robert Spillane, who's, you know, he'll, he'll do those things. He'll, he'll step up and he'll be that, that hammer. But every, every team, the Steelers player are going to find a way to formation it. So that Spillane's going to be exposed in pass coverage. And so what do you have? You've got, you got two backers in Bush and Spillane that, you know, maybe if you could combine the two, you'd, you'd have a complete backer, but it doesn't seem like the Steelers do at the moment. Yeah, and I don't think they have the technology to actually uh, merge those bodies together. They, maybe like if they could do like a Wonder Twins power, you know, like <laughs> activate, you know, that would be a <laughs> thing. Does anybody, does anybody out there know what the heck uh, the Wonder Twins were? Zan and Jaina, who, who, and Gleep, or is it Gleek, <laughs> the monkey? But who turns in, that, that show always confused me because the girl, Z, um, Jaina, always turned into like an animal of sorts. And then you had... Zan, who turned into like ice something or water, and I yeah. just don't know how effective that that really was in fighting crime. But maybe that would do better when you're fighting teams like the Bengals and the uh, and the Ravens and the Browns. I don't know. I, I, the Steelers could use whatever help they can get. So if they can, if they can work some voodoo, man. I'm all for it. Well, you know, I'm a huge Casey Kasem guy and Casey Kasem was on the super friends. So that's, that's a big deal to me. So thank you for bringing that up. You just made me smile. <laughs> Who is your dude of the week? That's a great, that's a great question. You know, I don't know. Um, I usually give it some thought before the show and I usually have a, have a guy, you know, locked and loaded and ready for us. It's been kind of a quiet week in Pittsburgh though. You, you, you come you come out of this the the Jacksonville game, and there's a lot of excitement about about Pickett, and and you know we talked about him last week on the on the show a lot, but this just feels like a week really where there you know there's a the anticipation is really is really big because it feels like the Steelers have have a lot of questions that they have to answer this week, um, and so the 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 answers to those questions really puts the burden on the coaching staff. So if I were going to pick somebody, I, I would really lean heavily on on the staff. You know, somebody. You know, you can I'm, you can pick a uh, whoever you want, Brian. I, I think that maybe one of those one of those coaches, because their evaluation process this weekend has got to be spot on. Like they have to be right. 
about the outside linebacker position. They got to be right about the left guard position. Uh, you know, they, I, I think most people feel like Trubisky is going to be the quarterback, but, but if they, if they choose to go with him, then he's got to be able to, to carry the offense for a little while. So, so it's a really big week uh, for the coaching staff. So I mean, you know, maybe in anticipation of that, we can, we can kind of put it on the staff as a whole. I think that's what we'll do. So with that being said, with the staff being your dudes of the week, what do we need to see from the Pittsburgh Steelers staff this week? We need them to be able to, to, to choose wisely, make in those decisions that they're going to make. They're going to make uh, season-altering decisions, whether it's in regard to who gets starting nods, who gets cut, who stays, whether they're going to make a trade, whether they feel their evaluation process has to be really good this week because this is the week where they make those final decisions. They have to know that the positions that they're putting these guys in and what they're going to see on Sunday is going to translate to the, the regular season. Preseason is not the regular season. Everybody everybody knows that. Everybody understands that. But I, but I, I think maybe they underestimate how different things get when that when the regular season begins so many of the schemes that that the Steelers have seen from their opponents and that the Steelers themselves have run are these sort of vanilla schemes that that while you while you're while you're somewhat generically game playing for opponents you're not digging into their weaknesses and you're not showing your cards and so the Steelers have to know that the evaluations that they're making this weekend are not based on fool's gold meaning they're not being based on things that won't translate to the regular season when it gets a lot more complicated. Uh, so, you know, they got a lot, of, lot, of, lot on their shoulders this week for sure. Well, they definitely do. And I cannot wait to see what transpires when the Pittsburgh Steelers take on the Honolulu blue Detroit lions coming up at Acrisure stadium. It is going to be a great weekend of football as the Steelers are getting ready for that big game September 11th, it's the opener, and it's coming up. So this is a crucial week for them, the third and final preseason game, the first time that we could say that in probably forever. So I can't wait for this game, and thanks for helping me break it down, Kevin. Yeah, me too, and uh, I, I won't get to see it, I guess, until later on Sunday because it's not live uh, in my area. So I have to wait till for NFL network to replay it at 11 o'clock on Sunday night. So I'll be up into the wee hours watching that one. I'm really going to, going to tune in and focus in. And I'm, I'm actually, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm, I'm really going to be laser focused on the offensive line because for me, if the Steelers don't get that right, they're, they're, they're in for a tough season. So that, that's where my attention will be on Sunday night. So make sure you check out let's ride. It was this morning. It was a great episode with Jeff Hartman, heart to heart, getting ready for the Steelers and the Detroit Lions. And there's going to be great shows coming up tonight and all through the weekend. You're going to have Tony Defio with the six pack. It's going to be the boys from down under Matt Peverell and Mark Davison. I call Matty P and Marky D. They're going to bring you a touchdown under one of my favorite shows is we run the North friend, Kevin Tate bringing you everything that's going on in that North division, Pittsburgh Steelers and guests from other teams as well. I'm, if you haven't checked out this show, it is a great listen. So make sure you find that too. And Daniel J was state of the Steelers this week as well. There's not going to be a Steeler Q and a because, Hey, we've got a post game show coming up on Sunday. 
I can't wait to talk about this game. I hope we're happier than we were last week against Jacksonville. So for KT Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. We ask you to do one thing. Keep your feet on the ground. And keep reaching for the hypocyclists. Mm-hmm.